It's that time of year when people first start to think about maybe becoming a gardener. And our best advice is, yes, do it. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of December 19th, 2013. Right, you're right that it's that time of year. Part of what is happening this time of year is... People are beginning to think about New Year's and their upcoming resolutions and the fact that they're eating too much and not healthy stuff here in the holiday season. So come New Year, they may have a new resolve to start growing their own food so that they can eat in a more healthy manner. And we need to caution that when we talk about gardening, we're not talking about growing flowers and ornamentals. That's important, and there are people who do a really good job of it, but our focus is on vegetables. That's right. Um, maybe you're thinking about starting to garden, that is vegetable garden, <laughs> for the first time. Um, you know, another thing that often gets people excited, and we this was the subject of our podcast a couple of weeks ago, is about seed catalogs coming out. Um, you know, somehow our daughter, Adrian, our announcer, who is really not a gardener herself yet, <laughs> um, she received a seed catalog in the mail. I'm thinking, okay, so, you know, people are going to get this gardener's porn and maybe think, okay, what's it all about? If you're one of those people, this podcast is for you. Um, and if you're an experienced gardener, we'd love to have your input and responses um, on our site to see what you have to think of, what you think about all this. And when you get started, you might as well get started growing organically. That is using few, if any, petrochemicals. Uh, one, because it's healthy. Two, because it's more fun. Three, because we think the chances are very good that not too long from now, those petrochemicals are not going to be available to us poor folks. They're going to be, uh, be available only to the military and to rich people and maybe to big ag. So uh, might as well get started now doing without them. And here's my other reason. And we've had plenty of podcasts in the past in which we've explained this that we have lots of reasons that we'd rather work with nature and not against nature there are too many of those chemicals that the jury is still out as to how they're affecting for example honeybees you know we, we don't know there's there's just a lot of unknown not to mention that weeds and pests are going to inherit the earth they're a lot stronger than anything else and by and large and uh, they develop resistance to these kinds, to, to chemical means of uh, control over time. So we just think if you can do it, start organically. Um, we should probably at this point say that as we talk about our observations and maybe even any information we give you, we're drawing this from not only our own experience, but we're into studying the research-based um, information that's out there online. So we'll on our show notes page, we will be providing some links to some publications that are research-based that can help guide a person who's interested in all this. Um, okay, here's one piece of advice that uh, our, um, our one of my mentors on this earth, Danny Carroll, talked about when we took our Master Gardener class, and that is when you're starting your vegetable garden, 
start small, start in a realistic manner. It's, and as she said, it's better to have a small, well-maintained garden than a large, neglected one. And I know I've quoted that before, but I am telling you from experience that unfortunately I didn't heed her advice at first and my, I, I got too big. Not only we, but nearly every new gardener gets carried away with the size of their first planting and way, way, way too many gardeners get discouraged because that first year they put a lot of things in the ground and then they lose control of the weeds about, you know, along about mid-July mm-hmm. and get frustrated and walk away. And that's what happened to, to me. And not to mention... We didn't walk away, but we, we did didn't, no, We didn't walk away, but we... Um, and we'll talk maybe about some alternatives, some, some ways of keeping it under control in a few minutes. But just know what your limits are, what your schedule is, you know, what, how you can handle not only planting, planting time, but harvest time, and then plant according to that. And now this is going to be counterintuitive, but I would say even as you are starting small, go ahead and think big. Now, I know that sounds weird, but really the, the point I'm trying to make is everything you do you ought to plan as if you're going to be using more land, uh, growing more food, and so forth. So if you're buying a canner, buy a canner that, that you can use for a lot of food. If you're going to plan your garden, plan for it to be bigger. We're just saying the first time you start off, keeping it small. Exactly. It's like anything else when you, you know, in a beginning way just to see if to stick a toe in the water it's best to just under uh, develop what you want to do rather than overdevelop it and as you said over time uh, for example our deer fence encloses a large area would you say about a quarter acre maybe a third it is it's a quarter, a quarter acre. acre well at first i thought i'd plant all that out right now it's not but it's there if i ever want to yeah. and if i need to so and and we use the space even though we don't plant it all because we need access to everything. And that space that w- on which we are not growing is useful for access. Yeah, so, so think about that. Here's another uh, point that's important. If you have, for some people, if you're growing in a container or in a small um, area, you're in a, um, I don't know, like a, a condo or something, it may not be an issue. But if you have choices and you're in a large lot or yard, plant your garden close to where you live. Here's one reason. You'll want to go out there and check on your vegetables almost daily, especially if you're organic. It's really important to to keep a handle on what's going on out there. And uh, even if you're not organic for that matter. But the other thing that's nice is to be able to look at, if if possible, to look out and see what's going on. Um, I've looked out on our vegetable, in our vegetable garden and actually spotted rabbits and uh, which was not good news, by the way. <laughs> um, I'm able to look out and see. Rabbits whether... are not cute. Yeah, Rabbits are not... ugly as sin. Because they eat your cabbage. Okay, but that's that's a whole other topic. Um, but I can see whether there's frost on the vegetables. I can see whether things are washing with the rain. I mean, it's just really nice to be able to, to not to mention when you start harvesting and trucking vegetables back and forth, or going out to if your herb gardens out there to pinch off some basil for your salad that night, you know, it's it's convenient. So that's another piece of advice that seems to make sense. You also want to make sure that what whatever that site is, and I guess we're still talking site selection at this point, um, make sure you get plenty of sunlight there, at least six to eight hours a day. 
Which basically means full sun. Basically means full sun for vegetables. Now, you might be saying, oh, well, what about impatience? Aren't there, or, you know, azaleas, aren't there plants that, that need some afternoon shade or filtered sun? But most vegetables, I can't think of any that don't want full sun. It is true now that you may end up employing some or deploying some shade cloth at some point um, over, like, in the middle of the hot summertime, your tomatoes may be splitting from too much sun. Then you, you deploy shade cloth there or lettuce that's bolting. But to get the vegetables started, to get germination, to get the leaf uh, growth, the foliage growth that you want, you need that. Healthy soil. Uh, a lot of people who aren't experienced gardeners or growers underestimate the importance of soil. Well, you almost can't overestimate how important it is because um, who was at that one presentation we went to at a one of the conferences I want to say Southern Sog where the guy said I don't grow vegetables I grow soil right um, the idea is if you've got healthy soil that is such an important starting point for building up nutrients giving your plants the strength and health they need to resist disease to stand up um, and survive the onslaught of pests and that kind of thing so what can you do to make sure it's healthy one thing is to run a soil test. Find out what's in your soil. Find out, you know, whether it's what the pH is. That's relevant to what it is that you can plant there. And if it's not hospitable to what you want to plant there, you can always amend it. You can add, if it's too low in pH, you can raise it by, add, which is, of course, the problem we have here. You can lime it and add. But some people, their pH may be too high. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, what, what suggestions? It's more complicated to lower the pH yeah, of is. soil, but if you have soil that's um, too high on the pH scale, your county extension agent will be able to give you some information about how to deal with it. They'll, yeah. they'll talk you through it. And that really brings us to an, a topic that we need to include mm -hmm. here. When you're getting started as a gardener, don't just talk to the people you know who are gardeners chances are they're doing it the way their mama did it or they're doing it the way their neighbor Fred did it and you know there's a 50% probability they're doing it right but only 50% yeah if you're serious about doing gardening well go ahead and go for the research-based information that's available <laughs> from your state extension system and consider studying the master gardener curriculum that's a great way and it was a wonderful way for us to get started doing this the right way. Yeah. We didn't learn those bad habits and then have to unlearn them. And I can't tell you how many of our friends had to spend so much time unlearning bad habits in order to become good That's at right. this. Yeah. Yeah. Master Gardener, of course, being linked in with extension and those being linked in with research-based agricultural universities, that I can't tell you the... the um, plethora of resources that we have available thanks to that relationship. So um, thank you for putting that plug in. It's really important. One thing that we've, uh, when you're, again, we're back to talking about your site selection, your soil. Let's say you have lousy soil or, you know, some kind of gumbo like a lot of people in Montgomery, Alabama have. Um, you might consider raised beds. And not to mention if you have a bad back, that's another reason to consider raised beds. Or if you, in my case, one reason I wanted to switch was 
because of the weeds taking over and it enabled me to have a little bit better control over what was going on. So again, there's a lot of information on raised beds. I know there's a publication um, that our own extension um, service has so we'll, uh, or system has, so we'll uh, make that available. The next point I would in- hope you would include is about water. Plants, of course, need lots of water, and in many seasons they get it just fine, and then there will come a time when there will be this long drought. And if you're dependent on rainfall for your plants, unless you live in Oregon or Washington State, chances are you're going to need to do some supplemental watering. Living where we are in central Alabama, we've learned if we can't drip it, that is, if we can't provide drip irrigation to it, we don't grow it. So I I can't tell you that should be your philosophy. I can tell you that it hasn't let us down yet. That's right. And and we'll talk about some ways that you can water. Um, Here's a principle that you just want to keep in mind. You don't want, in general, to wet the leaves of the plant. Um, especially in the late afternoon, late afternoon and the evening, because of um, fungus and um, disease that can just be on the plant, you know, can be communicated that way, and then doesn't does not evaporate. Which easily. means you're probably going to want to avoid those big sprinklers that just spray your plants with water, mm-hmm. particularly if you're going to do it in the late afternoon. That's yeah. just you end up with too many disease issues and so forth. You can hand water carefully. Um, however, I did that for a year and it wore me out, schlepping hoses everywhere. I'm, you know, if you just, if, especially if you have bad back or anything like that and you're just, or you're just worn out by things, that sort of activity, I would say it's worth it to go ahead and invest in drip irrigation. It's you can much use, easier than you realize. Yeah, we started out with soaker hose in a lot of hours, and I'll, the problem with soaker hose is it just tore up, and it would spring a leak. You know, and little, soaker hose, but you may think it it's going down in the soil, and some of it is, but a lot of it's going straight up into the foliage where it creates some of those same problems. Yeah, but but drip irrigation can be set up. Easily, Lowe's, I know, has a system that's user-friendly, so um, maybe it's worth it to just start out the right way and get the drip going. Now, a lot of gardeners starting out wonder, should I plant seeds or should I go to those garden centers that I see and buy transplants? Well, a lot depends on availability. For example, one of the main things to consider is what variety of plant is going to be suited to my growing area? Um, there's a USDA hardiness ma- a zone map, um, which, you know, we're in zone eight and um, we, if I can't grow it in zone eight, if it's not zone eight friendly, I don't plant it. And don't grow what you don't like to eat. Yeah, that's another thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, and don't grow things that don't naturally grow well in your area. And, and I guess that's following on your point. Mm-hmm. You, it needs to be suited to your area, and it needs to be something you enjoy eating. And if that means you only grow two things this year, great. Grow those two things and enjoy them. Yeah. Um, and now here's the thing about the seed versus transplant. Transplant simply meaning it's a plant that's already emerged from the soil. Um, you can buy those transplants, but if you do, only go to a reputable nursery. The, there's too much uh, disease that can be spread from plant to plant if you go someplace. And, of course, look at the plants. If they look unhealthy to begin with, don't get them. But you might be able to get, you. in fact, I know, you can get a greater variety of plants established if you buy or and start from seed. Um, 
So uh, now you might be intimidated about starting from seed. Yeah, I think if you're a new gardener, don't be don't feel like you've got to start from seed unless you're talking about squash or well, something like that. Well, no, I think what you may be referring to is starting from seed where you have to start the seeds indoors. There okay. are a lot of plants, okra, for example. Okay, a lot but, of people don't like okra, but just let me say this. Yeah. Okra is something that is extremely easy to plant in the ground and have it come up. Same with peas. Mm-hmm. Peas, squash. okra, squash, stick it in the ground. Actually, I've had more trouble with squash germinating than I have either of the other okay. two. So I'm saying start with something that's going to be easy for you. But um, one thing that's important to know is what time of the year you can put those out. So we've got some, as I said, we'll link to some publications that give you um, you know, planting dates for those seeds. But let's say this, if you want to start tomatoes, and those are the hardest plants to grow, uh, vegetable plants, I can just tell you right now, that, but that's what most people want. Can you start it from a seed in the ground? Yes, you can get, I, I've actually done it. I've gotten a seed to germinate and a little plant came up. It was not a healthy plant. It was not a happy plant. But if you'll start the tomato from seed, or buy one from a store, like, you know, I'd say your garden, local garden center, then get go for one that's six inches tall by six inches wide, and it's going to have a better start. Okay. Um, um, we probably ought to talk about weeds with the little bit of time yeah, that we have Yeah, weeds left. are bad. And one thing you can do to help control weeds is mulch. Mulch also is good because it helps to um, keep the moisture in your soil and protect it, but it's a good way to prevent weeds. What about, um, well, Weed Guard or something like that? I know that's a brand name, but you can buy it. It's expensive. A cheaper solution, newspaper. If you put eight inches of newspaper, cover it over with pine straw or with any kind of straw you have or uh, bark chips, you'll be good to go. But we're thinking out to mid-July when your weeds will be more um, vociferous. So if you can go ahead and keep your soil covered with mulch, newspaper, weed guard, whatever, so that those weeds don't get out ahead of you, we promise you will enjoy your garden a lot more. And one thing I've learned is if you have a a bed that you're not going to use during a particular season, put a cover crop on it. Um, That's not only build up your soil nutrients, but also the right cover crop can help keep the weeds down. And many home gardeners don't think about home, uh, cover crops, but they really do make sense, and they're easy-peasy. Easy, I know. And I've even got them in my raised beds, so it can work. Now, this is something a lot of people don't think about, and it's a little natural way of dealing with pests, companion planting. If you Here's, here's an example. Um, I plant tomatoes every year, and I've had problems with tomato hornworms. I found that by interplanting basil and marigolds with the tomatoes, it did help control the hornworms. Um, certain herbs and certain flowers deter certain kinds of pests. Uh, the research is interesting. I've, I've, I've uh, looked online and found conflicting uh, scientific research about how well marigolds and basil keep to hornworms down. I'm just telling you my experience. But you, as a gardener, I would just say, re- do your own research about which plants do help control pests, and also which plants should not be planted together. We're not suggesting you do this the first year, but when we when you think about how your your garden's going to go, be thinking about growing something year-round because we've learned it's just easier to keep it looking good. It's easier to keep it healthy 
if you're growing something in your soil every month of the year. And we like fall gardening in this neck of the woods because it gets so hot in the summer. It's not so much fun to be out there. But in the fall, when the weather's pleasant, uh, you also uh, it, it's more fun. But also you can plant some ver vegetable varieties that don't do so well in hot weather. The brassicas come to mind. Um, and then th when, as you go from season to season, remember to rotate your crops. You don't want to plant uh, vegetables of, in the same family, in the same spot, season after season, year after year, because of the fact that plant-specific diseases and pests can remain in the soil. Um, also, nutrient deple depletion, for example, corn uses a lot of nitrogen. You don't want to keep following that up with corn. You want to plant something that's going to actually fix some nitrogen, like legumes. So, again, we've got some... Um, sources that we'll put on the show notes page that can help you get started with that. Everybody says you can never be too rich or too slim. We would add you can never have too much compost. Go ahead and start making it now because you're going to be hungry for compost as long as you are growing things. That's right. It's a good natural fertilizer and um, it's a way to stay organic at the same time as having healthy soil, which we keep coming back to that. Well, thank you for being with us this week and hearing us uh, talk about uh, one of our passions, which is vegetable gardening. We hope that you have a wonderful holiday season, and I guess this is our last podcast before Christmas, so I, we should probably end by saying Merry Christmas. I guess so. Merry Christmas. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.